It's the AA Show and Averted Anti-Climax Show Man for January 3rd, 2024. How's it going? Happy New Year. And I'm going to be the 17th person telling you this at least as you're coming back to work. Am I right? Am I right? Uh, how goes it? I was supposed to release a best of episode last week, but given the circumstances of all the things that's been happening during the Christmas and the New Year's, I just did not have time. So unfortunately or fortunately, I broke the weekly release streak going back to 2019, I believe. I've been releasing consistently. Even the best of or pre-recorded show or unreleased audio, I've released. I found time to do it. I just did not. (laughs) So... That happened, and then uh, I'm just gonna, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna. I don't think it's the end of releasing the best of, you know. So I already have the CEOs that's lined up, and I talked about that for a while. And then um, there are a bunch of other common topics that I talked about. So I'll talk about those, and then I'll compile those, the greatest of, the best of that I've had. You know, I think it's been a, it's been a, it's been a good listen going back, because especially if I'm going back, God damn, I started this thing. Seven and a half years ago at this point Almost eight years this summer I was just going like you know what I, I had a good run And then uh, I compiled enough Pipe bombs Enough rant that are relevant today And then uh, it goes on Life goes on So anyways I'm going to address the uh, elephant in the room This is going to be a sports podcast Because a lot of the sporting things happen Oh boy going into the end of 2023 And the 2024 So uh, I'm going to get the elephant in the room out of the way With the University of Michigan My Michigan football I'm sure that's going to be a best of episode also Especially best of Jim Harbaugh I just thought of that Because I talked about him too many damn Too many damn fucking times My disapproval and his strength and weaknesses And my assessment of him As a U of M alum Anyhow They finally won a playoff game on Monday I was losing my shit left and right I'm not going to go over the whole fucking game and analyze in my layman fucking view. If you want to listen to a good game review for bowl games for the Rose Bowl between Michigan and Alabama and also the Sugar Bowl between Texas and UW Huskies, go listen to Joel Klatt's review uh, from Tuesday that, that was released. I think he does. I think he's one of the best analysts. Uh, color analyst and the thing better than Kirk Herb Street. Not because Kirk went to Ohio, but it's more of like Joel being pretty blunt and also to the point. And I like his energy, and I like how he kind of explains in simple terms. And Kirk does that too, but I just prefer Joel, and he's also a, you know a fellow Buffalo, Colorado Buffalo at this point. But anyways, I'm gonna put a link to his uh review of his plays and everything. I'm gonna tell you explain from my situation like where it came from. Look, going into the Alabama game, I always thought they had a chance. I thought the point margin was way too low. I think a lot of the betters, I think coming into the game, it was one and a half Michigan favorite, which I was like, what the fuck? I know it started at two and a half, and then it went one and a half, and I go like, all right. I don't know if any of these people saw how Alabama played all season and then pulled that out of pulled the rabbit out of their ass beating Georgia. I, and then also how Georgia's been playing. I you know this is my theory. I talked about it for a while. Every conference, especially the big you know power five, power four, I'm gonna say because I'm not gonna count ACC. It's top two team heavy in each conference. So Georgia and Alabama became one of that, and a lot of the competition underneath those top two are scrubs. 
And I don't think that's any different for SEC or Big Ten or Pac-12 at this point. So I think the best four teams, given the circumstances, were chosen. I don't agree with people that are going, oh, Georgia would have beaten Michigan. The way Georgia has been playing this season, surviving to get to that championship and lose like that to Alabama, I really thought they had, you know, Michigan would have had the best chance to beat Georgia this year and even Washington. So anyways, one thing that I always harp on and get across is a mentality of a winning franchise or a team. If you're going in there, you know, being a smart ass like they did last year against TCU. I talked about this a year ago and I go, why are you getting fucking cute? Just stick to the game plan and do what you're supposed to do. You'll be fine. Despite all that and the best execution that, you know, the defense has done. uh, Special team was obviously an issue. Some of the cutesy trick plays did not execute to the maximum. You know, when Blake Corum tried to do flea flicker to a point where I dropped the R word in front of everybody. And I apologize for that. I didn't know that was a bad word until two months ago. I gotta be honest. I know it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. And then I just blurted it out. It's one of those that education I gotta do over and over and train myself. But, you know, I, I just wanna see my team win and do execute right same for the maple leaf same for the blue jays same for the raptors which i'm going to get to in a little bit and at the end of the day a better team won because michigan was not overwhelmed by alabama it's more of michigan shooting themselves in the foot now i'm not discrediting alabama at all whatsoever because i think the pedigree that alabama brought i really think i genuinely think alabama and Nick Saban, I think that's the best coaching job he has done, you know, since his prime, you know, even like, it's always been his prime, but like, I really think this season is the epitome of like how great Nick Saban is as a head coach, despite all the transfer portals, changing coaches, the carousel of the assistant coaches, you know, and then a brand new quarterback and offensive coordinator coming in. I really think the uh, offensive coordinating of Tommy Reese is really questionable. I didn't think he was that impressive in Notre Dame last year. And the fact that he got a job at Alabama surprised me. And I think some of the play call, I granted, they were awfully limited and stifled by Michigan's defense. But then the very last call that became so obvious that it's going to be you know QB draw run down the middle. I mean, Michigan was ready for it. They took it. Great reminder of the Orange Bowl 2000 when Tom Brady beat Alabama and Alabama just had to miss a field goal, you know, the extra point to win that. But whatever, I digress. They won the game, they got the job done, and they beat beat the big beast instead of the easy prey like it was going to be TCU last year. I think this really gets their mental hump, you know, over, you know, get over that mental hump, I will say, for Michigan Wolverines. This is what I was looking for. You got the big fish out of the way. Now, I'm not a slouch against UW. More and more, I watch them. I watch a lot of UW Huskies games, you know, seeing them play Oregon twice, and then also the Apple Cup, and just other bunch of Pac-12 games. Pac-12 is, believe it or not, very entertaining this season. Um, And there were times that I just questioned, you know, how 
a team like UW struggles against Berkeley of all fucking teams and Arizona of all fucking teams. And Arizona, granted, they beat Oklahoma, whatever. They're a good team. That said, there's the same Arizona, USC, and all these schools that Colorado had a chance to beat. And I just go, hey, any given Saturday, anything can happen. And everyone's going all over, oh, Michael Penix threw 430 yards, blah, blah, blah. I will say that Michael Penix looks like he's playing a hero ball because he has such a good offensive line that just protecting him and giving him all the time. And that was what was more impressive to me yesterday and to Oregon games that I've seen out of UW. And, you know, it's a game, it's it's in the trenches always. And that's where Michigan beat Alabama handedly more than I thought they would. I was very surprised how, you know, strong they were in the trenches. And people were like, oh, no, you knew they was coming. But I'm like, I'm sorry, I have not seen the competition until the Ohio game where they just mauled them and I was so impressed and so happy now I see the Texas Washington game and I be like man Texas boys are raw and then they're good but holy crap Washington is really Washington owned that fucking game especially in the second half and they were just trying to run out the clock despite what the score tells you and I just go like can Michigan's defense get to that Washington offensive line that's going to be an interesting matchup that really looks like the battle of the two best trench teams in the country and it's going to come down to Penix I know what he's going to do and I know the Johnson kid got hurt you know let's see how it does but like Penix makes it happen because the offensive line makes it happen now have they faced a fierce line and a speedy secondary like the Michigan has you thought Oregon was one, but Oregon found a way to lose to Washington twice. And I just go, I think Michigan has a chance, but I I don't I do not leave it to the chances. And by the time I record this next week, either it's gonna be the great you know, the great victory or the great defeat. And I you know, Michigan needs to go in there, play like they did and better against this Washington line and also same for the uh, offensive side to protect against the Washington defense who are really good and I just be like JJ McCarthy needs to make the throws and then he comes clutch in second half for some reason he rises the occasions he will but I just go like you gotta shore up the fucking dumb stupid things like in the special teams and I was very surprised how many dumb stupid shit happened in the special teams but I think the kids know better than nobody me here layman complaining so there's that i think michigan is still a better team uh but i would not be, i think the line right now is michigan four and a half favorite and that was a line that i saw for texas over washington and the utter amount of disrespect that youth up got on that gambling line is surprising so i just go yeah, you know, Washington's going to be even more motivated. They'll be like, oh, you're looking over us again in the point spread, given how Michigan played. This is going to be Rose Bowl 1991 rematch at this point. You know, Michigan and Washington have history, which is fascinating, through the Rose Bowls. And, you know, and next year there's going to be a rematch in Seattle. I might go. You know, I wanted to go in 2020 until the pandemic happened. But, you know, so there's that. I... 
you know, I do have a soft spot for the Huskies, you know, and then I'm glad that they're back in the power position also. And for them also, this is their year. Otherwise, it'd be like, yo, man, they got no shot at this <laughs> afterwards. I mean, I'm not going to say no shot, but like it's going to be very, very difficult uh, for them to, you know, repeat this, you know, trying to find the quarterback unless they find another one in the transfer portal, which is hell possible. Anyways, so, you know, may the best team win. I really got to cheer for my Wolverines, you know. But, uh, let's see how it goes. And then um, I want to talk about the Leafs and the Raptors because that really depressed me ending 2023. Um, the Leafs got destroyed with their shitty-ass goaltending and no defense, which is not a surprise at all whatsoever. The other part that that was really shocking for the Raptors, um, they made the trade. Before, you know, it's a Saturday game. I really wanted to go because if you don't know the, the the Pistons, who are on a ridiculous losing streak, uh, that I I just I just go like I have never seen a team go on that many game losing streak and is actually trying to win a game. <laughs> That's how sad this was. It's not like it's not like the. What the fuck? The cat bit all my Thunderbolt cable again. It's not like the Celtics or the Cavaliers who were just tanking eight, ten years ago. It's actually they were they were they were really trying, and then they just sucked. A lot of the ISO plays, a lot of the screens that the Pistons had, I was questioning left and right, and I just go like, "Can you not draw up a fucking play to isolate? Can you not?" Like, do double screen or something. You know, add some variety to this shit. I've never seen a team less capable than the Pistons. And then the Raptors come in Saturday after blowing it, you know, you know, starting slow like they did against the Celtics and everything. And I just, and then they made a trade in the morning, which is longtime Raptor. OG Anunoby got traded for RJ Barrett. And then, uh, uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, fuck quickly and I just and then they traded away Achiura Precious and then uh, whatever now get to the trade a little bit I as much as I appreciated OG Ananobi's two-way play and you know he was a second all NBA defense and all that right right but I just go like I never thought OG is the piece that's going to get this team back into the dominance, prominence, whatever. So I really thought they should have traded him last year or this offseason when they had their chance. And they finally said, all right, we're going to trade him for RJ Baird, who after Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson on the Knicks is like a third option at this point. And quickly, I think he's going to be a free agent. And they said, yeah, yeah, we don't have space for this guy. And OG goes in, and then I think the Knicks fans are like, oh, we got fleeced again by Masai, you know, and all that shit. But I just go like, I think it's a good trade for both teams, to be honest, because, you know, RJ signed that long contract that's like a four-year extension, and it's like, he's not going to live up to it, and Knicks fans are going to fucking torch him. because, And then he's not even a primary scoring option at this point. OG... He's going to opt out of his whatever last year of the deal. And then I'm sure he's going to ask for like, I think he was making like 19 million a season. So I'm sure he's going to ask like 38 million, 40 million. And be like, yo, I deserve that money given how I play. At the same time, I just don't think OG's that guy. I think he's a great complimentary player. 
who needs to stand in one spot, shoot the three, defend when he needs to, and call it a day. He's nothing more than that. He's not Kevin Durant. He's not Kevin Durant. And he's not DeAndre Ayton or any of that either. And I think that's the he's a very good complimentary BC piece in a team of A, B, C, D, E. Same for Pascal Siakam. He was instrumental in the 2019 championship season. I can't believe that was five years ago already. That was five seasons ago. And the guy came into national prominence in the spotlight defending against KD and, you know, whatever, Draymond and those guys. But when left to his own advice, he's been great, but he's at best just another Chris Bosh. And just having Chris Bosh is not going to win your championship. And then you got Jakob Portal. They traded a first-round pick again. And I'm like, okay, you got these lanky guys. But I just go like, you know what? You don't have Marc Gasol and Serge Ibaka to compliment Pascal Siakam anymore. OG's not that. And OG was there, and he won a championship ring. But if you remember, he had an emergency appendectomy surgery. And he was out of it that during the championship run. So only original championship member of the roster that's still in this team is Pascal and he's been an all-star he's been a representative for this team but I just go like I I just haven't seen the part where like he's gonna take over the game and win it Scotty Barnes is more that guy and he's taking better leaps this season but I just go like he needs time and three-point shooting is still a fucking problem on this team. And it comes to the Pistons. And OG's gone. They're coming back on a back-to-back night, flying in from Boston to Detroit. And I knew it was going to be a little closer than, you know, whatever. I don't. I didn't think the Raptors were going to blow out the Pistons given, you know, the back-to-back night. And OG's out, Achua's out. And then I just go like, well, they're on a shorthanded bench a little bit. At the same time, I really thought, I think the talent here for the Raptors should be much better than the Pistons. And Pistons are going to come out and start swinging, given how they lost to the Celtics the Thursday night, which I stayed back to watch at a trivia. They were up like 17 at the halftime, and they had a lead as big as 21 to blow it against the Celtics. But that said, the Celtics are the basically the best team in the conference. And also, they were on, like, the at that time, 14-0, and 0, you know, not losing at a home streak at that TD Garden. And I just go, like, Pistons are going to come out angry. But I also thought, at this point, every team that plays against the Pistons don't want to be that team that ended the defeated, you know, season at this point. I was worried for two, three weeks that looking at the schedule that... Raptors game might be the trap game but seeing how the Pistons just completely blew it against the Celtics and watching them during this losing streak how unorganized and very un unpracticed this team looked despite Kate Cunningham dropping 43 and shit I just said you gotta be fucking shitting me like they don't they don't play like a fucking team. Raptors, you got to beat them. And guess what happened? They were down by 10. About 10 or 8 at the halftime. 
and the game started getting out of hand in second quarter where I, you know I, I I understand the bench was shorthanded Darko is he the right coach I and that Nick Nurse blah 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 if you want to go back and listen you know see what happened with the Raptors it's like Nick Nurse played the starters too much like Pascal Fred Van Bleet the OG had to play like 40 minutes a game 38 39 40 minutes a game out of the 48 minutes and then they were just burning them out and I think Masai and the rest of the management, Bobby Webster, they're like, yo, you got a bunch of like Malachi Flynn and all these guys. You got to play them, Chris Boucher, all of them. And Nick Nurse's answer is they ain't good enough. And looking at how the season's going and then the bench depth and the lack of performance out of him and continuously kind of slipping away games at times, I agree with Nick Nurse. <laughs> I just go like, you just... And then, so this is the first game where... Darko, the new head coach, had to run Pascal out there for 42 minutes and Scotty Barnes 38 minutes or something, the highest number of minutes that they throw in and I'm out there. At the same time, I just go like, okay, where is the fucking adjustment in the defense? They're playing this, what the fuck, the, the zone defense. Not even like top one high or whatever. And either Kate Cunningham or fucking one of the guards were always open. Bogdan was open. Boyan Bogdanovich, the only veteran on the Pistons. And the way the Pistons play is like either Cade Cunningham, the number one pick from two seasons ago, you take the ball and get us the points. Or Bogdanovich, you're the veteran, you make the shots. Or sometimes if you get an occasional, oh, Jalen Duran under the basket, who's, you know, who's got some growing up and maturing physically to do to be the centerman in the NBA, I think he'll come out and be all right. But he's the only tall guy underneath. And Jaden Ivey is starting, which is good. Instead of Killian Hayes, who's a fucking headache watching. I just go like, stop. It's like watching Dennis Schroeder when he was on the Atlanta Hawks 10 years ago. The same Dennis Schroeder who's on the Raptors this year. And became a World Cup MVP. You know, this past summer. And I just go like, what the fuck? And the Pistons... Made all the free throws, made all the open three-point shots that got open on the zone defense. And I did not understand the lack of adjustment the team did not make to even, like, fucking, hell, make the shot more difficult. Because the shots that the Pistons got, in my view, holy crap. Like, like if they made shots like that all season, they would be a 500 team at this point. And I'm sure that's what Monty Williams and Dwayne Casey, the rest of the Pistons brass are like thinking like, fuck, where was this team <laughs> all fucking season <laughs> instead of this 28-game losing streak? And they just made the shots. But I also went like, oh, look, I I don't understand this defensive call. I know you're trying to preserve some energy in the bodies, but I just go like, what the fuck is zone defense doing? Nothing. It's just giving them open looks and they're making shots. Adjust, go one-on-one, or go with some other zone to adjust. It got bad to a point where there was like a three-second violation. I forgot which one, which one of them was just standing in the fucking paint for three seconds. And I go like, how do you make this fucking mistake in this part of the season? Like, what the fuck? I was losing my shit. And there were four free throws that were missed. The very the first free throw attempts, two by Pascal and two by Chris Boucher, and at the end of the day, those became the difference makers. 
I think there was about 90 seconds left, and then the game was 116-107 for the Pistons, and I just left with Colleen. I just said, I can't watch this shit. And now people got excited in the last 90 seconds of the game that took about 30 minutes to finish being dramatic, and then it became a one-point score, and then the final score was 129-127 for the Pistons, ending their 28-game losing streak, the single-season record, but also an all-time record, you know, because the the Sixers had that across two seasons. I just go like, I I don't think I've been madder in my life <laughs> watching the Toronto team. And I haven't drank in almost four years at this point. So I'm sober and clear-minded as fuck watching this. 46 and a half minutes of basketball. And I just said, what the fuck? And... I really felt this was worse than the no-hitter that I saw. The Toronto Blue Jays got no-hit by the Detroit Tigers in July. I was so mad that I came back the next day. And then the Blue Jays won in a comeback. And the and then I was fucking grinding my teeth through about eight and a half innings until you know Danny Jansen got a tying home run, who's been the clutch hitter on that team last season. At least the no-hitter, it went through the circumstances. It was just a weird day, rainy day. The rain delay, that was two and a half hours. And then, like, Osman struggled in the first inning. But then once the weather got better, he was fine. But the rest of the offense for the Blue Jays just couldn't hit anything, which was the story of the season. So given that, that overall story, I wasn't, like, I just go, this is the epitome of this whole fucking thing, isn't it? Going into the All-Star break. They can't hit for shit. The Raptors, on the other hand, I just go, look, you're shorthanded. I get it. At the same time, I read the internet comments. It's like, why would you get rid of Malachi Flynn? I was like, I'm sorry. Malachi Flynn is a fucking nobody. He's been in a G League doing nothing. Grady Dick, their first-round pick, the 18-year-old kid out of Kansas who's supposed to be the three-point shooter. Dude, that kid's a fucking chopstick. He needs to put on some weight. He needs to get into some conditioning. And then put on... He's not even Nick Stauskas' fucking weight. Look at that kid. Like, he needs to be the Duncan Robinson Tyler Harrow of this fucking team. And then he shows up like that. And then he's just sitting on a fucking bench. And I just go like, why is he not in the G League? Get some reps in. Get some conditioning in. Play with some fucking adults. Instead of sitting on the fucking bench. Or come out and produce. Which he's not doing. So... You're not going to give minutes to these kids. And against the Pistons, I'd be like, I would put a guy like Grady Dick in there and be like, fucking Pistons, everybody under 23 on this fucking team for the Pistons. They're all kids. It's all raw talent that's not getting developed other than Kate Cunningham and maybe Jalen Ivey and Jalen Duran at this point. But I just go like, how do you lose to this team and get dominated? The sad part is, I would be less mad if the Raptors won on the January 1st game on Monday, and also the Pistons won their game, finally, and they get out of their funk. Guess what happened? The Raptors, with R.J. Barrett and uh, fucking quickly coming in, beat the half-assed decent Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Pistons go to Houston, where the national championship is going to be next week. And get destroyed 136 to 109 or some shit. And I just go like, oh, here are the Pistons again. And I go like, you couldn't continue the fucking streak. 
if the Raptors did their fucking job, the Pistons would have been on the 30-game losing streak, an NBA record. I wanted to see 30. And coming into yesterday or Saturday, statistically, the Pistons' best chance to win was next Tuesday against the San Antonio Spurs. And that was even going to be a coin flip given how the Pistons are miserable against the Utah Jazz who are actively tanking right now and put their bench team in there and still beat the Pistons. And the Raptors couldn't do that? I will never forget this loss by the Raptors because the lack of adjustment on the defensive end just bothered the shit out of me. I know the bunch of the Raptors fans said, oh, you know, they were shorthanded. And then this is the most minutes Siakam and Scotty Barnes played. Scotty Barnes missed a switch on the couple screen plays in the second half. And then the first half, he was fucking non-factor whatsoever. Second half, he did better. I know he's been playing better this season than last, but I just go like, all right, Scotty's been whining about the call in the first quarter, and then I was just yelling. I just go, get back into your fucking position. Stop bitching right now. Get back into position, play your fucking defense. And then there are a couple moments when they're playing this zone defense, and then they have to do a switch with Kate and in an Ivy, you know, switching balls, and then like one of them miss, and then just let Kate drive to the basket. And I just go, how do you miss a fucking switch assignment off the screen? Oh, he was playing about 32 minutes in and then, you know, what? I don't give a shit. It's your third season in the NBA. You're the rookie of the year. You're going to be the franchise player going forward. And you're playing against the bum fucking Pistons. You can't fucking switch, right? I know Darko was madder than me. I just looked at him like going into the halftime and everything. But fuck, man, where, where are their heads at? And I watch the Raptors and I see the frustration. They're so inconsistent. They were 8 and 8 at one point and now they're like what? 12 and 20. Going into a 6 game swing. I'm not overly optimistic. I think I love the trade with RJ Barrett and quickly coming in. But I I I don't care. I can't believe 5 years later since the championship run this team has not replenished the way they should have. And I think a lot of it is also like, hey, these players they thought were the future, like Siakam, OG, you know, Van Fleet, and this, these guys, and it just didn't work out. And then they lost Kyle Lowry and Van Fleet for nothing. I think they should trade Siakam, sign in trade as an option this offseason, but I just go, I think time is here. I think they need to go get some fucking next crop of the core. You know, kind of like how the Thunder are doing. Oh, you cannot tank BK the Raptors the way they were. You cannot do that. No, they cannot tank. But they need to at least compete and play the right fucking basketball. With, you know, and beat beat the teams that they should beat. Even when they're 8-8. Eight and eight, One day they come and beat the Bucks, But one other day they cannot beat the Bulls. I go, what the fuck? Somebody's not, like, if that is consistent pattern, and I just get frustrated, and I just go like, this is not a winning mentality. Forget the championship, forget the conference finals. They're not even close to a playoff spot 
And then even they go into a play-in, I just go, I don't care. They don't have killers on this team. And they play that fucking bum-ass defense and fucking miss clutch free throws and can't drive to the basket. That was the one thing that bothered me. But I know Darko knew this too, the head coach. I was yelling the entire time, in the, especially in the second quarter. He's like, Pascal, take it to the basket. Take it to him. Scotty, take it to him, to the Pistons. You are bigger than them. You are better than them. Fucking impose your will on your opponent. Kind of like the Michigan Wolverines did to Alabama and say we will not be bullied. They're not the bad boy Pistons. Be the bad boy Raptors. Jesus fucking Christ. And then finally Pascal and, you know, Scotty started doing that coming out of the second half. And I go... And it was a seven-point deficit that became an uh, eight-point deficit coming out of the halftime. Quickly became a four-point deficit for the Raptors. Then they started giving it away with a shoddy-ass defense. To me, that's just lack of discipline. That's just lack of whatever. Lack of concentration. Oh, they're playing back-to-back nights. I don't give a fuck. You don't play 40 minutes like you used to. Fuck, man. What are you what are they paying this money for? Anyways, this rant is going too long, but I just whatever reason, you know, I think the Raptors core, I you know, head coach is he over his head? Maybe it's his first time. At the same time, I I I think Nick Nurse was right where I think the bench is shit and then rest of these guys are also kind of crummy. And I think they need to continue the trade. I love the OG Ananobi trade. And I think they need to continue that with Pascal and get the most out of most amount of draft picks or something. Get out of it. Because I don't want to see no fucking play-in and then choke it again like they did last year. I don't want to see this team kind of weirdly overachieve and have a false sense of core. And some kind of fresh young talent coming in like two seasons ago. You know, and then that's why I didn't hesitate back then. I was like, okay, if you're as good as that team two years ago, and then you had a chance to get to go get Kevin Durant, I would have done that in a heartbeat. Because I don't think any of these guys are that worth keeping, even Scotty Barnes. Because, hey, they're gonna leave. But then also like, I haven't seen out of them or like, oh, they're taking the next steps. They can't taking the leaps to the next part of their career. True, but also I just don't see it compared to what I saw from the championship team five years ago with the depth and the veteran leadership that they had then complemented by some of the younger depth bench talent that they had that Nick Nurse is able to rotate amongst nine guys primarily with Kawhi being the center of the offense. But I go like, in the next Kawhi is not going to come to this team. What you can do until that point is build the rest of the eight, nine guys that you would be able to rotate and build the depth on, which they were doing, you know, leading up to that season. And then finally had the pieces to get guys like Marcus All. And then, like, Marcus All instead of, you know, Jonas Valanciunas and all that. Right now, they don't have any of that. And I think Nick Nurse got sick of dealing with these people and be like, this ain't it. These guys ain't it. These guys are bums. Malachi Flynn can't do shit. And he was right. And like, I don't know, like fucking Ron Harper Jr. 
was it going to be it? I don't know. And then all these guys, I saw the G League too, and it was like, Coloco? All right, they're developing. But then Nick Nurse's assessment is like, they're not good enough. Management disagrees. Like, you were being so harsh on it. But I'm now leaning towards that Nick Nurse was right. He won you the championship. He's been the assistant for so long. You know what it was. I also think it was time for him to go also. I just go like, you, your perspective, you're, ped- you're up in pedestal at this point. And this team needs to build up. But then like, hey, it's, for Nick Nurse, I would be like, you're just reloading and playing at the same time. So I think that needed that change was needed. So I'm not so against Nick Nurse leaving. I think Nick Nurse needed to leave and key pieces like I think OG and Pascal also had to go. And they should have traded Van Fleet for like depth or something. But I'm sure Nick Nurse would have quit by then. <laughs> As if he didn't already quit in March or even beforehand last season. But I digress. I, I went a little long. But you know what? I'm giving you the extra minutes of my frustration. You know, because I'm not going to go over the whole Michigan football and all that. You know, we can talk about that next week. We'll see how the game goes. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I just want to see one Michigan national team championship, you know, in my life before I turn 40. And to a point where I'm just going to be like, look, man, by the time I turn 40-something, my dick ain't going to work. But, you know, one thing that's going to keep me going is my mind and then probably passion for whatever, including sports. So I would like to take advantage of that when I'm young. And I would be able to go to a fucking, I don't know, a fucking parade or championship parade or something. You know, I saw the Raptors win the championship. But to be honest, the fact that it happened to me is still unbelievable to a point where I don't think it really registered. So I didn't get to enjoy the championship because I was so jarred that it actually happened even five years later. So I would like to see something and I go like, you know what? That's a champion. That's a championship. And where I'm not going to have an insecurity right afterwards because that Raptors championship, as great as it was, I, it just didn't hit me. And then the world stopped and the world moved on and then it went back to the Lakers and Bucks and the Nets and the Celtics and back to the Warriors. So it's like, it's like a blip in the radar as if nothing happened. So... Yeah, but I'm sure I'm not the only Raptors fan that felt it. Anyways, let's see. I'm going to stop here. Welcome to 2024. It's a year of the dragon, goddammit. And then a lot of things are happening in life and whatever. So it's going to be an exciting year. Although the earth is getting warm and whatnot. Oh, and then it's the election year. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about as we're in the swing state of Michigan. So go blue. Uh, wish all the best to the Huskies. But I think Michigan's a better team. I think it will be a closer game than you would think. And if Michigan eliminates all their stupid, dumbass mistakes, I think they can win this. And I believe that this team will win. So, go blue, and we'll see you next week.